1: You are listening to Sports Day for Nutrien Ag Solutions. Going further for Australian farmers, find your local branch at Nutrien.com.au. That's Nutrien.com.au. Bryce, I've been loving the chats. We've been exploring sport for decades gone by over the last couple of weeks. Um, If you haven't already, look up the chats with my grandfather Clive and Peter Bedford on the podcast app. You can even listen to my dad as well, who spoke in the 1970s earlier in the week. And tonight it's time to talk 80s which is a decade right up your alley, I reckon. That is is. when you were at your absolute best with your leg spinners, probably with your chat as well, maybe even with your batting at the crease. And he was so good on debut, we thought we'd get him back for another crack. And that's my dad, Tim Morris. Welcome back to Sports Day.
0: Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Bryce. Good to be here. What are are your favourite memories of watching sport in the 1980s? I think probably the Olympics, uh, 1984, 1988 were were thrilling times. Uh, And I'm a demon supporter, so 87, 88 was pretty exciting too. Why the Olympics? Carl Lewis was at the peak of his powers, won four gold medals in eighty four, and then the yep. massive scandal in eighty eight when Ben Johnson got disqualified from the hundred was was an amazing time.
2: Well, it really put the the hundred meter sprint really to the top end of world sport, wasn't it? And it was the record times and all that. Everyone was getting quicker and quicker through that whole period. It was it was must watch. And and the the anticipation for that 100 metre final at the Olympics was quite incredible, wasn't it? It was a wonderful time.
0: Yeah, the the two of them, especially Lewis and and Johnson, but there are others as well. And that that record had stood for a long time and they finally broke it. And there were quite a few blokes under 10 seconds. And at at the same time... Everybody was itching for Carl Lewis to break the world long jump record, which had stood for so long as well. So it was very exciting. Were there it, suspicions of doping in the eighties? Yeah, there were, uh, and and Lewis uh, constantly denied it. Johnson, of course, got sprung and got his gold medal taken from him. But yeah, it was a it it marred it a bit. It's a real shame. Yeah, there was a. I remember following sport
2: then and and knowing there it, it was a question mark over a lot of things that were quite amazing. Where we should have been thinking. Gee, isn't that amazing? But it was a bit too much. It was a bit too much.
1: Yeah. What was the Olympics where all finalists got done eventually, or almost one, all but one finalist got done in the
0: 100-metre men's sprint? The like 88? It was either 88 or 92. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It's just That's grim, right. isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Lin- Linford Christie won in 92. He was a granddad at the time. Won the hundred meter gold, gold medal. At How the old age. was he? 32. 32 year old grandfather. Correct.
1: I <laughs> didn't know that. That's nineties dad. You're not doing the nineties. Oh, Georgie Parker's but... doing the nineties. Oh,
0: sorry, Georgie. Um, who was the most <laughs> famous Australian sports person in the eighties? Uh, Rob D Costello was for a while. Uh, he was, he was such a good marathon runner and he, he dominated a lot. Um, Obviously, there were there were very good footballers famous in Australia. Uh, maybe Alan Border as a cricketer uh, yeah. came into his own and, and is such a great captain. Didn't single-handedly turn cricket around, but she had a big part to play in it. Yeah. Um,
2: well, Bob Simpson and he were the, uh, Bob Simpson just demanded the improvement in the Australian group, and Alan Border made sure that the, the team were able to do that. But he led from the front. He yeah. was he was outstanding. Oh, I'm interested. Go on. Tim, no, no, you go. yeah, I, I interested. One of my early memories of the eighties was uh, the America's Cup, and whether you were following that and this amazing story of of Australia and a couple of boats, and because we'd never really thought about it before that moment,
0: had we? No, it was that was so exciting. Eighty three, I was at university and, uh, and and living in college there, and uh, yeah, it was it was unbelievably exciting. I remember uh, one night watching. It was very late at night. I probably shouldn't tell you this, Tommy, but it was very late at night. And I was I was convinced that my vision was a bit blurry because I could see two boats, and it turns out that they were sailing next to each other for about an hour. You know, they used to track each other and make sure that one couldn't get uh-huh. past. And uh, that and then a few days later, Australia won the whole thing, and the whole place, the whole country went nuts. But why? Because it's something that
1: has never happened again. Like uh, the Americas Cup to me, Cup to me is 1981. Was it 1981?
0: 83. 83.
1: 83. Yeah. And you speak to. Most young people now, they wouldn't even know what it is. No,
0: that's right. Well, we didn't really until then either. 150 years, the Americans had held it. And whoever whoever wins it gets to hold it in, in, in their place. So it was always held in, in Newport, Rhode Island. And the fact that Australia poured a lot of money into it, Bondi was a larger-than-life figure. Yeah. Uh, John Bertrand was a great skipper. He'd, he'd actually sailed in the Olympics in in 76. Uh, and, and we had a, a guy called Ben Lexon who designed this amazing, uh, I, don't know if I'm sure, I suppose you can call them boats, this... Uh, this. Uh, yeah. With the uh, wing keel. With the winged keel, yeah. And it, it just, <laughs> it just, was. you know, it, it just got promoted. Well, it caught the imagination. It's not a great spectator sport, but it, it became so exciting. So, Everyone was right into it. So what, why hasn't it happened since? I don't know. We, we lost it again the next time it was held, and that was it. Yep, and it hasn't been. Yeah. So it. we did defend it, and that yeah, was in it. Fremantle. That's oh, right. was it? And we yeah. got whooped. Uh-huh. So
2: that was it. We sort of lost our interest in in, in the 80s. It came. <laughs> it was it was huge. I remember. Going to school the next day, and I'd been up all night. I thought it was pretty amazing that yeah, I, you yeah. know, I'd be up these ridiculous hours watching it. Yes. I think I must have been getting up early. Yes. Um, I must have been up early in the morning to to watch it. Um, it was you know, definitely through the night, and yes. I, I think that's how it sort of sat. And I ended up coming to school, and our teacher, Mr. McCormick, had drawn the Australia 2 on the chalkboard. Yeah, really. <laughs> like, It was that important. He's a good drawer, actually. That's amazing. Yeah, so it was just this excitement as, yeah. as we built yeah, up. Right. And it was a real comeback story as well because I think – uh, Australia 2 were down maybe 3-0 or something I can't, I can't I remember a, the score best no, out of 7 remember. or something yeah, like that and, and th- they were down 3-1 or something uh, in
0: that, that that vicinity
2: and they just went and won these th- next 3 to, to get
0: through It was extraordinary we, we, we all got hold of the uh, the lingo that they used. The Wink kill was one of them, but the, we knew what jibs were and what the grinders yeah. <laughs> did and all sorts yeah. of things we'd never heard of before. We, it was great to watch. Turned to overnight experts. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was very early in the morning because I remember we were celebrating over breakfast time. So we must have won it at about seven o'clock in the morning. Oh, or wow. Yeah.
1: What about the VFL to the AFL? That's something I'm fascinated in. How did that play out in Australian public life in the 80s? I want
0: both of your thoughts here as well yeah that was an amazing time because we i it was so insular the vfl with the 11 melbourne teams and uh and and geelong and by then uh, sydney uh the, the swans had moved to sydney so there was a little bit of a, a an out of victoria thing but not much um and I think the competition was dying. It wasn't sustainable uh, with the amount of advertising they could attract and television dollars and so forth with such a local competition. So in retrospect, it was inevitable I had to go national in order to survive and to thrive as it has now. Uh, at the time, it's, it felt a bit funny, but it's been a terrific move. Yeah. Bringing in the team,
2: uh, an Adelaide team, a Perth team. Yes. Yeah, it was It uh, It was. It was an odd time. And it was nearly like um, th- these representative sides because we'd loved – uh, state of Origin. State yeah. of Origin was, was outstanding. You know, yeah. you'd see this game played in Perth. It was played in the odd time in the afternoon. Yeah. It was just this really quirky sort of sort of way it, it, it happened. And you, you got to watch that. And that was often after school. That's right. You, you, you would, oh, for, for me, it was after school. Yeah. Um, so there was these odd times. But uh, we, we liked that so much. I, I think there was a there was an openness to it. From Victorian... uh, To to, expand. Yeah, to expand. But then we get to see these guys a bit more, these South Australians and these WA players, which we only hear about because the commentators tell us they're they're fantastic players and you see them in this state of origin. Now you get to see them a little bit
1: more. So it was kind of exciting. That's interesting. And you told us earlier in the week about 1970s and how every game started at 210 on a Saturday. Yes. How did the viewing or or the, um, the fan experience change in the 1980s with VFL, AFL?
0: Expanded slowly. They they moved to fr- there were some Friday night fixtures, so night footy had come in, which was a good thing. Uh, but there were still a lot of Saturday afternoon games. It's it's, it's a more recent phenomenon that they have played at all different times, so you can really watch all nine games if you want to. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember how many you could watch, but we certainly didn't have them spread out as much. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, the way people consume footy. I can't imagine
1: not being able to watch every single game for the weekend, Bryce. But in the 80s, that's normal. And there's no there's no pay TV then either. No. Nope. So what you'd have Channel 7 was the or ABC was the host broadcaster. Channel 7 was the host broadcaster. Yeah. And all the games were played on the radio. Each of the radio stations had the right yeah. to yeah. Even when you look at the highlights of the 1987 Cricket World Cup, A, they were wearing whites yeah. in limited overs cricket. And it just looks like it's filmed on a on a Nokia phone. It yeah. looks
0: so grainy doesn't it? Because when you put things on a big screen television, all the blurring gets enlarged. So yeah. what looked relatively clear to us on a small television uh, is not clear at all. But we didn't think of it at the time. You didn't look at it and think, oh, this looks old-fashioned. You just you just watched it. And that was a huge victory, wasn't it, for Australian cricket, the 87 World Cup, led by Alan Porter.
2: That, that was one out of the box. But the, the problem was you, you weren't watching it like you watch it now. It was sort of still this thing in the background, wasn't it? You'd get glimpses of of what had happened over there. What are your recollections of, of that World Cup victory?
0: Yeah, I can't remember watching much of it. I just remember being thrilled that the Australian cricket looked like it was back on the map again. We'd had a pretty lean decade uh, since, since the World Series cricket change and uh, since the centenary test, which was such a thrill. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a, the beginning of a, a really good period for Australian cricket. Lily, Greg Chappell and Rod Marsh all retire at the same time. That would have to play a part in that as well. That's that would right. have been big news. It was massive news, yeah. To have three superstars at the game... Uh, playing at the same time like that. Uh, yeah. and, and we saw the same thing happen in the early 2000s, didn't we, when that team won 15 in a row or whatever yeah. it was, and then that, and, and they all went in the space of a relatively short period of time.
2: Yeah, certainly has an impact for the next group. Yeah. What about horse racing? Did that catch your eye? It was certainly something in the 80, Melbourne Cup days and, and <laughs> things like that uh, through the 80s.
0: A little bit, yeah. I've never been, I've never been hugely into the horse racing, but I went to the Melbourne Cup a couple of times, and we always used to have a sweep at school. And and uh, I went to the Caulfield Cup a couple of times. So was it popular though? Oh, extremely popular. The, yeah. the, was there a Melbourne Cup carnival like what we see now? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's been going on for a long time. Yeah, yeah, okay. And there are still people around who can name all the cup winners. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, we had Sam Friedman on earlier in the week, and he, um, the Friedman name is synonymous with horse racing, but there must have been others back then as well. Waterhouse. Bart Cummings. Bart Cummings. Yeah. Significant Uh, figures in horse racing. There there are lots of them.
2: Jockeys, uh, Harry White. Uh, m- might be one of those. Right. And, uh, Roy, yeah, Hig- Roy, Roy Higgins, Higgins absolutely. <laughs> right. They were yep. neck and neck always yep. uh, in terms of uh, the riding winners all the time.
1: That's right. Yeah. I'm just looking up the top five sports moments of the 80s. So right. I don't know if you know any of these. I don't, I don't recognise a couple of them, and I assume it's
0: American based. So the pine tar incident. Oh it, yeah, yeah. What's that? It was massive. There was a, the, you were only allowed to have the pine tar up a certain uh, distance on the baseball bat, yeah. and uh, George Brett. Uh, got a hit, and, and then he went absolutely nuts when they told him he, he, uh, he was, I forget he was disqualified from the game or the hit didn't count or something yeah. like that, but th- there's footage of him storming around like a crazy man. It's good. This yeah. is all off the cuff here. So yeah. um, the 1985 Chicago Bears winning Super Bowl 20. Yep. That yeah. was a thriller. That was, uh, I can't remember the name. Jim McMahon was the, was the uh, quarterback, and that was when the yeah. Fridge was playing. William Perry, this <laughs> great big huge defender who weighed over 300 pounds, which in those days was massive. How many kilos is 300 pounds? About
1: 135. Oh. Yeah. Bigger than you, probably us two combined, Bryce. But
2: didn't they throw with uh, Perry? Didn't they not throw it to him? But didn't he r- uh, play as a fullback sometimes? Just to, uh, hand the ball to him, and he'd be out there, correct. and it, it'd be this confusing play for everyone. What's this uh, defensive lineman? Correct. Is that, is that how?
1: That's near, my near the memory. The goal
0: line. They just give him the ball and just give him to rush because you know there's that big push to get just to get the ball over the line, and he was responsible yeah. for that. Yeah. The
1: 1989 NCAA championship game. Don't no, know. Nope. No, no, um, you know anything about
0: that? No. Uh, the Buckner game. The Bill Buckner game in 1986. Yeah, what's that? Bill Buckner had been a very, very good baseballer. and He was nearing the tail end of his career playing for the Boston Red Sox. He was playing at first base. And uh, he, he had really bad ankles, so he could hardly run. And in game six against the New York Mets, the ball came to him and he all he had to do was pick it up and stand on first base and they won the world series and they hadn't won it since 1918 oh. and he misfielded. It went through his legs and they lost the game. And then they lost the next day. Oh, and it's the, just and the curse. It's they called could... the curse of the Bambino. Yeah. yeah. Because after Babe Ruth left the Red Sox in the, in, uh, after, in the yeah. 1918, um, they, after, sorry, after 1919, yeah. they hadn't won a world series since. And then they won one in 2014. Four. four. They've That's won right. 3 They've won three or four since. Yeah, yeah. the curse is no longer. No, the the eighty-four after eighty-six yeah. years in two thousand and four, the curse of the Bambino got lifted. And um, yeah. and the miracle on ice. The miracle on ice was one of the great ones. Nineteen eighty yeah. at Lake Placid, the yeah. um the American hockey team. Because we think of the United States being so good at hockey, but they played a, a team of amateurs because it had to be amateur in those days. So college players against the very best of the Russians. Yeah, uh, that was. Unbelievable, And it was the best Sports Illustrated cover of all time, the, the celebration of the team as they won. And there was no script, just, a, just the photo. That's amazing. Yeah. Sports
1: Illustrated would have been huge in the 80s as well, wouldn't it, Bryce? Yeah, absolutely.
2: That's where you get a lot of your world sport. Yeah. Um, and I would be getting hold of a copy of that. Yeah. yeah. Being a paper boy, there was often, they'd toss him into the hopper. When, you know, when about three months old, they'd toss him in there and I'd be in there going, oh, I can read that one and catch up. Didn't have the, the pennies to pull it together. Not pennies, yeah. but dollars to pull it together. So,
1: yeah. Who was the uh, most famous world sports person in the 80s, do you think?
0: It might've been Diego Maradona. Oh yeah. The yeah. hand yep. of God. Was the that the, the 80s? That was 86. Yeah. Yep. Was yep. that big of news of here? Yes, it was huge. Even though we weren't we weren't in the World Cup at no. the time, the game had become extremely popular, and uh, partly because they used to show the highlights of the uh, it wasn't <coughs> called the English Premier League then, the, the the top flight, the Division One. Yeah, um, there used to be a highlights package, which people got right into in the eighties. So soccer had become really popular here, and obviously there were lots of uh, uh, people born outside of Australia's yeah. shores who loved it. But it was it was becoming popular with lots of uh, native-born Australians too. Mm. Mm.
1: Amazing, Diego Maradona. That the hand of
0: God wouldn't be allowed now with VAR, would it? They'd no, they call it that, back no, that's straight right. away. Yeah,
1: what an iconic moment! It was a clever thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> what? Okay, what about the role of media and journalists in the eighties? How how had it changed from the seventies?
0: Yeah, it was increasing. So it was it was. Although we had television and radio uh, in the in the seventies, the best of the sports journalists, I think, were were working mostly on in newspapers. Uh, Sports Illustrated is a classic example. The writing in Sports Illustrated it was and is absolutely outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but television and pay television was coming in. Uh, so there were lots more spots in in journalism for people, uh, ex-players, and for others to to spread their wings and to try different mediums. The underarm delivery, Bryce, 1981, New Zealand, Australia.
1: How much did that really impact? I'll go to you first, Bryce. How much did that really impact the relationship between the two countries, do you think? Yeah, it was sour. It, <laughs> was, it was horrible. <laughs> I'm and- laughing about it now, but... We'd yeah, be we, laughing back then. No,
2: no, at the time it was uh, diabolical and then uh, and, and Greg Chapel was absolutely uh cane for it, like in the papers. He was savaged, really was, um, about losing his mind and disrespecting, you know, the death of cricket, really. Mm. That's that's how it was um, uh, written about and uh, it was a it was a really sad moment. I'm not sure that many New Zealanders have got over it just quietly. <laughs> I still, they still talk
0: about it. Do you remember it? Very well. There? Yeah, no, no, I wasn't there, but I was watching it on television. I remember Rod Marsh shaking his head saying, no, mate, don't uh, do it, don't yes. do it. But Chappell was, he, he was absolutely exhausted. And it was within the rules. It's one of the strange things about cricket compared to other sports, in other sports you get away with whatever you can. But in cricket, uh, I was watching some cricket yesterday and the ball went over the boundary and, and uh, the, the fieldsman fessed up that it was four. Yeah. No, no one ever tries, to, well, they should never try to get away with that one. It's a different different sort of code of conduct in cricket from other sports. Mm, yeah, interesting.
1: Now, t- before we let you go, the... It makes sense that we finished this chat talking about
0: perhaps the greatest grand final of all time, 1989.
1: Were you there and what are your memories of the day? I
0: wasn't there. I was, uh, I was in between the age when I could get a ladies ticket and when I could become a member at the MCC and, if, yeah. and, and I couldn't get a ticket uh, on the open market because yeah. I wasn't a Geelong or Hawthorne supporter. Uh, but I watched it and I didn't know the story, uh, about, uh, it was Graeme Yates. I think wasn't it who cleaned up And I didn't know the story beforehand. Uh, but obviously, it became uh, big news afterwards, and showed what a what a brave player Brereton yeah. was. It was, an, but what people often forget is that the that uh, it was only six points in the end. But Hawthorne were a mile in front. Geelong came right back to nearly win it. It was an absolute thriller. One hundred forty five to one hundred thirty nine with the end score.
2: It was amazing, and that's uh, how. That's how footy was played. It was yeah. just open. So they, they wouldn't flood back. Hawthorne was so far ahead. Mm. Um, the reason I know is through this whole period, through the 80s, I, I would score uh, uh, score the football oh, was at really? home. I'd watch it and <laughs> then I'd score it and put down the name <laughs> and write it in the team colours. It was Essendon playing Hawthorne. They had this epic epic battles all through that, that period. So I'd be scoring all the grand finals and keeping yeah. track of everything um, g- going through and quarter time scores. and. Hawthorne, and I, I still found these things in recent years. I don't know why my mum keeps them, but anyway, they were kept. Yeah. And then uh came across them, and I could see Hawthorne miles ahead. Why wouldn't they just flood back? Yeah. Just go back and didn't just exist, control him. the ball. Didn't exist. Just control the... They're still trying to kick goals, and yeah. any wonder that it, um, Geelong was scoring so freely. Uh, and they were beaten up badly too, Hawthorne. They, they, they the had, had had hardly any fit guys left. It didn't so, Dipper, what what, did, what Dipper, was Dippo? have
0: got a punctured lung. Yeah. Tablet. I, I, I think it threw up the greatest cartoon in the history of sport two, there was a picture because uh, Gary Ablett kicked nine, I think, and and won the Norm Smith. Uh, And people were starting to call him God, which he never liked uh, because of his his great ability to play and and because of his uh, devout nature. Uh, But the cartoon was of him walking across the water back to uh, Geelong from Melbourne with the Norm Smith and his bag strung over his shoulder. Sensational. 88 wasn't a good grand final for you though? 88 was not good. No, I uh, managed to get a ticket for that one when the Demons were playing and we were full of excitement after last year. they just missed out. Uh, when the famous Jim Steins walking across the mark one that was heartbreaking that that was heartbreaking but the Hawthorne team in 88 i I still reckon it's one of the greatest teams I've ever seen they, they had superstars but the, the next year down were all wonderful players yeah and they smashed them now we yeah, got now, did got, you
2: were you at the game in that prelim final I'm sorry to bring it up as a really sore point but uh Stein's across the mark and was, watching
0: that knowing what was going on or didn't know I was there and uh and my uh girlfriend at the time, who subsequently became my wife, Jilly, uh, was English, and she didn't know the rules. And when the siren went, she jumped up and, and hugged me thinking, we won, the, the game's over. And I said, no, no, it's not, it's not over. And the ball was in Buckadara's hands. We were in terrible trouble. So there was... It was very sad. Yeah, yeah. and the, sad,
2: the other sad part of that is when you it took you two hours to get out of the car park if you were there. So oh could, yeah, of course, it, horrendous at VFL Park. Well,
0: we went out you we could go on the ground in those days, and we had a footy with us. So we were we were kicking the footy. Prelim
2: final out there yeah. having a kick. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Correct. And I and I watched the replay later that night, and Bernie Quinlan was on the screen, and over his shoulder you could see me taking a specky over my girlfriend who was only five feet tall of <laughs> 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 Did you save it on VHS? I should have it on the VHS. <laughs> great. I would love to see that footage. I would love to see that footage. That is
1: awesome. Oh, well, thank you very much for coming in. It's a pleasure. We have a token of our appreciation, which is a Cobram Estate extra virgin olive oil. You've got the um, bold intensity version. Oh, that's the one I like. Yeah. Yep. Thank you to Cobram Estate. I've been told that you don't use it with food. You use this more with dips and, um, and and other delicacies like that. So you deserve this. Thank you so much for your chat this week on the 70s and 80s. It's and been an
0: absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. And in. we
1: might have you in again sometime to talk, who knows, something else. Probably baseball and American football, your sports, I reckon. I'd love it. Thanks very, very much, Tom. Tim. Thanks, Bryce. That's Tim Morris, my dad. This is Sports Day for Kia. The Epic has arrived. All-electric Kia EV9 and Maccas. The Tim Tam McFlurry is back at Maccas. Give us a call on the Harcourts open line for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts. More Sports Day after this.